This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Jackson's there, Billy Head, a goal Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson. Clears the flame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Christopher Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Welcome to episode 123.5 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Boris and Keir have had their go and now it's our turn to make our own public service announcement. Fresh off one of the biggest sporting controversies of the year that was broadcast live on Sky Sports, Huddersfield Town survived a stewards inquiry and Max Verstappen a point at home to Coventry. We've all been a bit AWOL lately due to COVID and illness, but are pleased to be back with you this week. Just a romantic vigil for two, I'm afraid. I'm the hefty Seb Vettel lookalike Matt Shaw, and joining me, not wanting to make a hass of himself, is Nikita Pozapan. How are we doing? I've tried to get the F1 um, F1 jibes in. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Good. So it's just me and you, so I will be terrified if you freeze. Um, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully this goes well. So we're, we're actually doing a test, aren't we, today? So we're, we're just uh, doing a live stream as well to an unlisted YouTube channel. Uh, well, our YouTube channel, but it's going to be an unlisted video uh, as a, a precursor to maybe next week or the week after coming back to the live show. So uh, wish as well. Uh, and this episode, as always, is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, check out the Huddersfield Town shop and you'll see now that Magic Rock have indeed some merchandise on there, including a fetching new shirt and scarf. So uh, get involved. Uh, there's uh, some uh, some new goodies to be uh, to be had on the website. So great stuff from Magic Rock. And uh We'll get fired into the uh, Coventry game in a minute, uh, Pause. but there's just two things that I'd like to mention. Uh, firstly, I want to wish Andy Marsden the very best as he's been uh, hospitalised with COVID. 
uh, all of us involved would like to wish you the very best in your recovery, Andy, and hopefully see you back on social media in the not too distant future. Um, and I also want to say a big congratulations to our friend, friend and podcaster, Simon Copland, who has welcomed his firstborn into the world. So welcome to the world, Arthur Copland, and congratulations, Simon, mate. And it's good to have another Terrier on board, isn't it, Poz? Yeah, uh, great news for Si. Um, maybe not great news for Arthur if he grows up to be a town. <laughs> time, time will tell. <laughs> yeah, get out now while you can. Um, yeah. Right, mate, so Huddersfield Town 1, Coventry 1. Uh, Town took their recent spate of sombre football into this game and once again uh, left Town fans feeling a little bit disappointed and maybe a bit short-changed uh, with what they've seen. Um, pause. you were at the game. I couldn't make the game. Uh, I, I was struck down, if you like, by COVID uh, and had to isolate, so unfortunately I couldn't make the game. But uh, I did watch it on Sky. Uh, what? Did, first of all, from behind the goal, what did you think of the game itself? It was strange when really to say we were home side you would have never if you were a neutral and you didn't know what stadium it was being played at you'd, you'd never have guessed that we were we were the home team um, in that match whatsoever for me we we never really got going again um, it seems to be a little bit of a trait of ours at the moment I don't know if there's a bit of tiredness in the squad obviously you know, it's well documented that we don't really rotate players at the moment so you know there are a few tired legs out there which are, which are hindering us at the moment Um could we look to change that up in you know the near future and upcoming games? Obviously, business uh, over Christmas will be thick and fast. Um, but yeah, one of them we took a, a surprise lead, really. Um, you know, decent decent goal as well. To be fair, um, you know, Danny Ward's cut it across and, and smashed it in. And you think from there, right? Let's go kick on. Coventry are obviously on a little bit of a bad run as we are. So you would have expected that 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 goal for us against the run of play would have knocked the wind out of their sails and we'd have kicked on and, you know, gone for gone for two and, and three and tried to put the game to bed. But we just didn't seem to do that. We we let Coventry come at us and, you know, barring Nichols making probably three or four really good saves. Um, you yeah, know, we'll we probably lost Nichols. that game, you know, Soon. four or five. Let's talk about the goal by Danny Ward, actually, mate, because that goal was... It was reminiscent, really, of last season, wasn't it? So you've got a passing move. Scott High makes a great early pass in there, which breaks the press, doesn't it, to free Lewis O'Brien, and then they go down the left-hand side. The old the old guard there, Lewis and, and the podcast favourite, Harry Toffolo. Good ball back from Toffolo and Danny Ward. It's a, it's a really great goal, actually, when you watch it back. It's a smart finish from Danny Ward. And and this is the sort of thing that we want to see more often, um, you know, town attacking with purpose. And it was a really, really smashing goal, uh, and it really sort of brought, to life the atmosphere behind behind the goal where you were as well um, because at that point it was only really the Coventry fans really making any noise and you know it you know that that's the sort of thing and I think we'll talk about the atmosphere as well because to be honest with you I was flat watching it I don't blame you guys I was flat watching it on TV and and you know when you only really have that one moment during the game it must be really difficult to keep constantly cheer, cheerleading and and you know singing and and getting so enthused with the game when, you know, the town really went up into a shell, really, didn't they? Yeah, it's been um, a point of discussion on uh, on Huddersfield Town forums and Facebooks and, you know, about the atmosphere being poor. And, yeah, you know, we were poor. It was a poor atmosphere. We obviously, 
jumping ourselves down there as you know not the atmosphere creators or providers because that's not what we're there for but you know when it's good people say we did well and when it's poor people say we we didn't do well but sometimes you've just got to take a step back and actually look at the game for what it is and 12 30 on a wet cold saturday when it's on sky the crowd itself were attendance wise i don't know what they gave out officially but they didn't look 16 to be a lot something. More than, yeah, there were no way 16,000 there. You, you're almost lucky to be in double figures from when, you know, when you're there, it looks sparse, but I saw highlights and it looked even emptier. So I'd be, I'd be guessing that there's probably not much more than 10, you know, there in first place, which makes it more difficult. Obviously, less people, less people to make noise. But when you're playing a, in a way that we're playing at the moment and we're not on the front foot, it makes it really difficult to... to you know, encourage others to to sing, and after a while, it, it just becomes a pointless exercise. And you know, you almost sort of pack it in and think, well, if no one else can be bothered, kind of, why should we? But um, I do think you know we should try stick with it a little bit more. Not just us, but the whole ground. You know, when when the team is flat, the crowd can get can give them a lift. But just just going back to the original point about the goal, it was nice to see that almost like really quick attacking football. I, I remember mentioning mid game that. Whenever we come forward, it's, it's so regimented, it's so slow, and it's like everybody, you know, knows what Careful. they need to do. And they make they make the passes, and it's well, I'll make a safe pass because I don't want to give it away. Yeah, carefully looking after the ball, looking for that almost perfect opportunity where sometimes just force it, just just play into a space in behind. Don't you don't always have to play exactly to feet or have a willing runner. Coventry did it loads. They sort of switched play and just dropped it in behind our fullback so many times and. You know, it just became a foot race then for you know twenty odd yards, and as a as a defender, really all you can do is maybe just put that out for either a, you know like a throw in, or you can you can win some at there as a winger just by hassling your fullback. And even if you just go out for a throw in, you know you're forty five yard up the pitch, so you've got a chance to win it win it back. I'm not just talking about lumping it forward to a striker. I'm thinking if there's no on, rather than just playing backwards, just dink one over at top at back four and and just see what you can win win from that. And I think. That alone would just show a little bit more attacking intent than, than what we seem to be doing at the moment. You had both sides playing the same system there as well, which is which really struck me was both teams were supposed to be playing a three four three or a variation of three four three, but Coventry just looked so much more fluid. You wouldn't be able to tell. Coventry just looked so much more fluid in what they did. And mm-hmm. Mike Robbins, um, I always thought would end up being a reasonable, reasonably decent coach at some point. You know, he always I always felt like Mike Robbins had some pretty decent ideas, and you can kind of see those coming to the fore now. And Coventry, they, they played a back three similar to us. Our back three was kind of skewed a bit. You know, it always wraps around because Pearson wraps around, doesn't he, to cover Thomas on that side. So I, I was kind of, it, it ends up being a little bit sort of asymmetrical at points. But Coventry, you know, they had uh, Allen who played uh, just off uh, Matt Gordon and, you know, up there. And th- their three actually dropped into midfield and created more of a six in midfield. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what Middlesbrough did as well. Middlesbrough noticed that, you know, Scott High and Louis O'Brien aren't naturally, you know, this is where we miss Jonathan Hogg, isn't it? Where you know, they, they sort of dance around the back and they can see the space between Scott High and Lewis O'Brien and the back three. Mm. And there is really good space there for them to get in. And I thought it was Alan in particular who really causes a lot of problems but just by dropping into that little space. And their movement was so much better than ours. And I think that is the main thing that I see from a, a team like ours and a team like theirs. We're so much more regimented and so much more um, slow and careful and measured. You know, it, it pretty much... I've got, uh, you know, in my points, I've come on to, you know, the style of playing a bit uh, in particular, but we seem a lot more careful than what, you know, Coventry, I don't think it's a confidence thing. It's Coventry have 
they hadn't won in five, had they? Before, or four or five before coming to us. So it, it definitely seems like an instruction. And for me, it, it's probably based around the defence. And a few things that stood out in the game, the commentary stated that it was the most shots Coventry had had all game. Uh, sorry, the most shots they had had all season in a game all season. And that was at 65 minutes, you know, when they said this. So 65 minutes in, they'd broke their seasonal record for the most shots on goal. And, and yeah, we're 1-0 up, so Coventry are obviously going to try and take the mantle. So there is that side of it. But I also want to talk about the performance of Lee Nichols as well. You mentioned Lee Nichols. I thought Lee Nichols up until, you know, I wouldn't even pin the goal on him, to be honest. You know, I thought he was magnificent the whole way through. I know there was the point where he gave the ball away and he almost got chipped, didn't he, by, uh, I think it was O'Hare. Um, but, you know, 11 saves. Uh, you know, during the game, he's made 11 saves. Uh, for point of reference and average, he makes between two and three saves a game. So, he, you know, that's a really busy game. And I think Lee Nichols was superb. And and really, you're sort of laughing, aren't you, when you sit and you think, wow, you know, he was playing reserve team football at Milton Keynes last year. And we knew, we we know that the reason he was playing reserve football at Milton Keynes because of a contract dispute. You know, it wasn't that he was the second yeah, best goalkeeper yeah. there. But, you know, to come from that level up to sort of, you know, top half of the championship, he's, he's just taken to it so well. And he's there's little things I love about him. And I think Coventry had a shot towards the end and it was going miles wide. But he yeah. always does this really sort of emphatic shithouse <laughs> dive. Yeah, and it's just so funny to watch. Yeah, he's just yeah. my kind of goalkeeper is Lee Nichols. And, it, you know, it, it's great to see that people uh, are really sort of taking notice of what he brings to the table as well. And, and the, it's just the little things, you know, inside the box. He's very quick to grab the ball, you know, when it's bobbling around in the six-yard area, whereas other goalkeepers we've had in the past will sort of stick stick and play safe, you know, and just spread themselves yeah, and block. Yeah. You know, he reads he reads situations brilliantly. The, his, his best strength, and I'm going to compare him slightly to Ian Bennett in a way. Ian Bennett was, mm. you know, by the time yeah. he was playing for us, was right at the end of his career. He, he couldn't kick the ball to the halfway line, you know, and, and he had quite a lot of flaws at that point. Benno, but he, you know, the penalties he was saving, you know, in that run, he knew where the ball was going before it had left the striker's boot. And that was Ian Bennett's strength. You know, he was, he was 40 years old. You know, he wasn't quite what he was in his prime, but he was there because he read the game so well. And I see shades of Lee Nichols in that he knows where the ball's ending up before the striker does. And I think that's a really good strength to have for a goalkeeper is that anticipation. And really that's what sets him apart from Ryan Schofield at this moment in time, as well as seven or eight years experience as well, obviously. But Ryan's a very good shot stopper. As, as is Lee Nichols, but Lee Nichols just has that supreme anticipation where he knows exactly where the ball's going at a certain point. And he was fabulous on, on Saturday. And, you know, the point is for me is completely down to Lee Nichols. Yeah, 100%. I think he got man at match um, mm. awarded yeah, to him, which done, yeah. it, it says a lot, doesn't it, when your goalkeeper's been awarded man at match, just what sort of game you've been in. But two or three saves, at, you know, over the bar. I think, I think the defence potentially have been a little bit too reliant on Nichols. Certainly in that match, there were a couple of occasions where they almost left it because they just expected Nichols to be there. And yeah. there were the one just before the goal, actually, where he's kind of had to react and jump up and he's, he's got a decent punch on it. And, yeah. you know, if I'm in there and, and I let that goal in, then I'm I'm screaming at defence because I didn't really notice at the time. But where we were, the, the cross comes in and you can see him come out for it as if to say I'm going to just catch this and it looks easy and then all of a sudden the fellow just nips in and, and heads it in and until I actually saw it on the replay um, it, it looked very similar to the goal down at QPR where the, he's just left nobody seems to pick him up uh, um, which that, is that, that... you know at 93rd minute it's it's criminal defending his that in 93rd minute especially given 
we have a habit of conceding late goals. I know Coventry have got a habit of scoring late goals. So going into the final five minutes, do you think that players would have that in their minds that you know these guys are going to come at us and keep coming? And it just seemed a really slack goal to give away. It in was a game um, where you defended quite well. Yeah, Coventry deserved it. Coventry deserved to win the game. You know, there's no 100%. bones about that. We, we've got away with we've got away with a point there. But for me, the the goal was a frustrating one because. I'm not quite sure where I don't. I don't really want to sit and point fingers and blame because defensively I thought they played quite well. Gold, you know, Lee Nichols has played well, um, but when the ball comes into the box, you're a centre back. I'm a goal. You know, I'm a goalkeeper, or we were in you know years ago when we could run and and do things athletic. To a point. To a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'm a goalkeeper. You're a centre back. That ball comes in and it's gone. For me, as the goalkeeper, I'm thinking Lee Nichols has got to take that out. You know, it's the 93rd minute. There's absolutely no reason why he's gonna he should let that bounce. But if you watch the TV replay back, there is a shout of goalkeeper, but I'm not entirely sure if it comes from Lee Nichols or whether it's some shit housing from from Coventry. And there is a shout, yeah. and so Lee so Levi Colwell leaves it. And Levi Colwell, though, I think with experience in the future, will just ignore that and just head it out. I think this is part just of why he's on loan at Huddersfield yeah. Town. You know, he's. Is what is he 18, 19 years old? This is why he's at Huddersfield Town at the minute to learn things like this, to make mistakes like that. And aside from that moment, I thought it was great. But the the problem I've got then is when the ball goes out, uh, it, it clears. I think Nichols sort of punches it, doesn't he? But Levi then yeah, yeah. just lackadaisically doesn't come back into the position where he maybe should be. And again, it's a lack of experience yeah. thing or maybe a tiredness thing. And he should really be dropping to where Matty Godden makes that run to head it in. And and again, I don't really want to point the finger at Levi, Levi Cole too much because he's got Tom Lees behind him who should be screaming at him as well to bring him back in. You know, So it's really it's a collective effort more than anything. But it was a really avoidable goal. And and to be honest, if Matty Pearson buries that chance just before, and, and to be honest, we can't sit there bemoaning missed chances because Coventry, you know, Mr. Hatful. But, you know, yeah, Matty Pearson yeah. puts that header in, it's 2-0, and that, you know, that situation probably never happens. But it, it was a frustrating end to the game. But... We didn't deserve anything either, so I think we've got to take a take our point and run. To be honest, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're, you know, you're always trying to see it from the other side. And if you're a Coventry City fan and you go away from that losing one 0 you're absolutely seething, aren't you? Because furious, you know, yeah. We found basically shit house a, a, a win. <laughs> so I think if we'd have conceded on seventy five or whatever, you would have lost that. And it's one all. Well, yeah, you would probably go on to lose it, but if it did stay yes. one all. Then, as you know, you say, well, you know what, one all. But I think the manner of the last minute is is more frustrating than the one all because you can take positives out of a one all draw when you've played really badly. But when it's the last minute, it just hurts that little bit more, and I think you get a little bit more frustrated. And I think fans are very wary of what happened last year at this time of year. You know, it's, it's sort of come a little bit earlier this time, really. And it was more New Year when we started this downward spiral last year. And I think that's already in the, the back of the fans' mind. You look at the league and it's it's so tight. So if you're trying to be positive, you think, you know, a couple of good results and all of a sudden we fly back up. But then on negative side, don't win another couple and we're right back in, you know, bottom third. Do some stats? Do you, want me to go, do you want me to go all staty for you? Like it. Well, it's not really that staty, but the, the next point <laughs> on my little on my agenda here is about the booze at the end and whether it's understandable. And we'll go into a conversation about Carlos Corbran. Uh, you know, I probably unfairly labelled him Carlos Snowbran on, on Twitter, you know, in, in the heat of the moment afterwards. So apologies, <laughs> Carlos, for that. But, you know, it, it was a bit dull. Um, but we got a, a tweet from Dag Barnett, and I didn't reply at the time because I wanted to bring it into the, into the podcast. Uh, Dag's 
or at Dugnet. He's um, he actually posts on Down the Mac. He's one of the best uh, posters on there. He's, he's definitely worth reading. And yeah, yeah. he's mentioned no, here no, for no, this. Yeah, so for the second week running, Carlos was found to be tactically wanting, giving up midfield and cheap possession. Doesn't cut it. He's setting up the team to fail and needs to either improve or go. Shades of last season, centre-halves and Nichols saving us. So he's mentioned shades of last season and just like you have, that's why I've brought this into the conversation now. And I I just wanted to sort of understand the boost because if you look at it from a distance, we've drawn one all against Coventry, a side who have spent the majority of the season in the top six uh, it's a side who, incidentally, I predicted to be in the bottom three, but we're going to gloss over that very, very quickly. That's almost as bad as your Fulham to win the league prediction last year. <laughs> but that is, you know, it's a terrible prediction. But Coventry are a really good side. So, you know, are the boos understandable? I don't think the boos were just for that game at all. You know, I don't think it was we were booing a yeah. one-all draw at home. You know, I say we, I wasn't there, but I don't think people were booing the one-all draw at home to Coventry. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And I think specifically it's probably aimed at Carlos and the type of football that we're watching at the moment. So people are walking away. Uh, visibly, you could see, like you've mentioned already, visibly you could see that many hadn't gone on Saturday uh, and there are wide and varied reasons for that and it's not a, a particular dig at anybody. I wasn't there, but I wasn't allowed to be there because, you know, of you know COVID isolation. But um, what we're seeing though, what I feel that we're seeing at the moment is is the opposite of the vision that we were sold on Carlos. And I think that's another part of, the bone of contention. You know, we were told that Carlos was coming in to create yeah. this uh, Marcelo Bielsa-style football, which was never going to happen if you weren't going to give him the players to make it happen. And I think we we said that at the time, didn't we? If, you, if you're if you going to give yeah, him a I'm load of kids, it's that. just not going to happen. But I'll come on to that shortly. Um, I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned it's very Chris Powell. I've seen another couple of people online mention on Twitter, but, you know, say it's very Chris Powell. Um and the reason why we say it's Chris Powell is because people aren't really connecting with the manager. They're not really connecting with the product on the pitch, you know, the style of football. It doesn't really fit with mm-hmm. what the fans believe in or buy into. Um, and it's just become very tedious supporting Huddersfield Town. And I think that's why people are booing, just because they are bored. Not because of the result. The result's not bad. The position in the league is not bad. But it's just people pay money to watch, to be entertained and and. If we're honest, we've not really been entertained. But we need to look at both sides of this because I'll just finish what I've got here. Uh, they said Carlos was going to be, they said at the start of the year, Carlos was going to work on the defence. This is, you know, this is what Huddersfield Town, the hierarchy said, this year we're going to work on the defence. Uh, this year we're 10th. We were predicted to come bottom three by many people on this podcast. We're 10th. Okay, we've only once won, we've won one in seven. Uh, we don't really look like winning at the minute. But the defence has improved immeasurably, maybe at the expense of the attack. Um, the question is, should we be annoyed or should we have more patience? This is where I'm at because I have a foot in both camps. We're 16th in the league for average possession, which it seems very anti what we thought we would be. We thought we'd be a possession side playing swift football. Uh, We're 14th for XG4 and we're 12th for XG against. And on paper, it's not really that bad. You know, when when you take a step back, it doesn't look that bad. The, the data shows that we've overperformed at the start of the season, whereby we probably scored more goals than what we should have done. And that was due to Sauber Thomas's set-piece delivery. But, you know, as many people are saying, the analysts will pick up on... It's it's pretty much the same delivery every time from Sorb, you know, that in-swinger to the near post. And they are yeah, difficult to defend yeah. against, but people are starting to plan for it a lot more. And we're, we're seeing a tail-off in that now. Uh, we're scoring about one goal every 2.5 games from open play, which has improved from the one in three that it was a few weeks ago. Um 
after Bristol City, we'll be at the halfway point of the season, Bristol City this Saturday. We're currently 10th and Bristol City are in 18th. If they wallop us on Saturday, they'll go above us. That's how crazy the league is. You know, the yeah. team in 18th can overtake us. Um, that the, So the question really I asked earlier on was, should we be annoyed at what we're seeing or should we just chill out a bit and have a bit more patience? And it's a very sort of, I know there's going to be opinions at both extremes of this scale, aren't mm-hmm. they? You know, people are, people are bored and people are quite rightfully uh, able to express that. You know, there, there's, there's, no, there's no wrong answer there. If you're bored watching this, I completely sympathize. But at the same point, should we be expecting to be entertained with where the squad's at, with where Carlos is at, with where the development is? Because let's be honest, he's, he's had to improve the worst defense in the league. Um, he's brought in a number of players on free transfers. These players are having to stand 15 yards further back than what they were last season because, you know, if you put Matty Pearson and Tom Lees dictating like we tried to do at the start of last season with Naby Sarr mm. on the on the, on the the centre circle, they're going to get absolutely murdered for pace and we'll yeah, concede an absolute yeah. boatload of goals again. So the defence is having to stand 15 yards further back, which includes Toffolo, who was good, you know, and then what you get is the midfield drops back and then you've got Danny Ward waving up front 40 yards from anybody and and he's doing, and he's getting a lot of stick, Danny Ward, and I gave Dale Marsden a little bit back because Wardy scored and what have you, but he's (laughs) work, you know, and I understand that Danny Ward might not be the number one striker everybody wants, but he's doing a a kind of a manful job at the minute, isn't he up there, just just by himself. Talk pause because I've been waffling for a lot there, but... (laughs) I'm I'm caught no, between I'm caught between bored and caught between yeah. thinking I shouldn't really expect much more with what Carlos has been given and I'm I'm confused I'm confused sort me out pause. I must admit, mate. After just listening to what you've said, I, I I would I know you've asked me to talk a bit, but I just I just basically echo what what you've just said. It's one of those that start of season, obviously you know bottom three. We all we all on this on here and various other. You know, fans I spoke to predicted it would be a relegation fight. Got off to a decent start. I think the results did, looking back at the time, you know, you get a little bit excited thinking, oh, yeah, you know, we've got this, we've got that, we're winning. When you look back now, the performances were never really that great. It were the set pieces that were, you know, sort of papering over those cracks. Um, but I've, you know, I've been on here many a time and said, look, I'm not particularly that bothered if we don't play well as long as we win. I, you know, winning for me is the most important. Yeah. You win on Saturday 1 0 and you've played poor. You come out of that and you said, you know what, that were really rubbish, but we've won. So I've, I've kind of enjoyed it. I think when you start losing or dropping points and the performances are bad, that's when people start to kick off. And I think that's kind of like where we are now. I think you've just said there with, you know, one winning seven. Uh, looking just just quickly at the, the results that I can see, I think over the last six, we've obviously there was a Peterborough result where we were the elephant in the room. Pause. The elephant in the room is the second half of last season, and I think that is why people are nervous. Yeah, because that's what, yeah, that's what I was coming on. They're to expecting where, that. You know, yeah, we, 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 I've said before, and here we're just kind of waiting for that drop off a cliff moment, and it seems to have come a month earlier than maybe it did last yeah. week. But you know, Cardiff, we were winning one 0 we ended up. Within that West Brom, we got a good result against West Brom. Um, you know, one 0 again, not a great performance, but you don't mind against West Brom because you're not expecting to. No, it needs game. must. Yeah, um, you know, you, you take that win, um, and you put it in your pocket, and you say, well, you know, we've we've got a win there that we didn't expect. QPR a game again where if you look at chances, but nil nil, we've probably done enough to maybe get a, to get a result there, and we've not. 
Then Middlesbrough at home, really poor performance, really bad. Barnsley away, you know, a team at bottom three. We've gone there and gone 1-0 up and not won. And then commentary at home, another sort of abject performance. So I fully agree that where, where people were booing, it weren't just a frustration on Saturday. It's... So many things, isn't it? So it's nuanced, and yeah. I think people. It's almost it, a frustration it, for what's gone on, but also yeah. a frustration for what they believe might be coming as well. And yeah, it's it's kind of like frame yourselves, otherwise we're going to see the second half of next season. But also, already, they're yeah. booing because there's been not really any investment in the squad, and you know Carlos is, you know, he's working with freeze and loans. Uh, to be honest, a lot of managers in this in this league are working with freeze and loans. He's not the only one, and. You know, he's he's not really got... And, you know, last year for the first half, we had an X-Factor player, didn't we, in Josh Caroma. Josh Caroma was magnificent first half of last season. Mm-hmm. This year, he's, he's really not got going. Whether that's Josh Caroma's fault, you know, I've still got I've still, I've still still got this here just in case he fires, you know, fires just back up. Care. Just in case. <laughs> um, I believe in you, Josh. The conch believes. But, um, you know, he, he doesn't have the X-Factor player at the minute. You know, you spoke about the should we be just happy to be where we were. You you rewind and, and speak to people at, in August. What what do you want from Russell Town this season? A lot of people say we just want to consolidate, mid-table. Just be mid-table, mid-table, have a good That's season. And if you just take a step back from everything, just basically look at a league table. Defense has improved. We're mid-table. Yep. Attacks crap, but fine. But because any, we had a, a reasonable, yeah. I think because we had a reasonable start and we were sitting fourth, fifth, you know, six, seven, eight. You can forget, like I just said, you forget about the performances and you start to get excited because you look the league. If if we'd have hovered around 18-19 and those wins would have been spread out through the games that we've played and we would be where we were, I think people would be a lot happier. It's just because we had a good start and we've tailed off. And people I think, think part of the problem... Sorry, mate, finish that and I'll come on to my bit. No, I was going to say people think we're heading to what we were... What yeah, happened last year. We've, we've, we've done it earlier, so theoretically there's going to be more games to drag us yeah. back in. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think last season is going to happen. You know, at this point, where are we? Thirteenth of December. So it was around about this point where we went to Bournemouth and got absolutely destroyed, didn't we? With a, yeah, a youth yeah. team, Carlos. You know, he had to pick. You know, we, we hit that sort of run of games, didn't we? Where we were playing. You know, midweek Saturday, midweek Saturday with three game weeks, and and the team was shattered, and he had to essentially go with a youth team because we would we had players yeah, dropping all over the place. Basically, through that game, didn't he? Because yeah, I didn't want to say that we were, just we for legal there. reasons, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he, he you know, and and after that game, really, and there was the Blackburn one on. Yeah, uh, I think it was about New Year's Eve, wasn't it? When we played Blackburn and we beat them the last minute in Abisa. But after that, last minute, yeah. it was just absolutely diabolical. We were getting absolutely hammered week in week out, and. I don't see the strain on the players as much, you know, from from what I know, the murder ball and the training has been scaled right back down. We're not having those runs mm-hmm. of games that we were, you know, it's not quite Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and the season's not as condensed. So I don't think we're going to go through that sort of injury crisis that we had. We've got a lot more experience and I don't mean experience like Richard Keogh, who's, who, to be honest, for us was way, he seemed way past it. He's doing it right for Blackpool, oddly enough. But, you know, he's um, he, he seemed way past it. Steerman struggled after his injury. We've got Tom Lee's Pearson, you know, that's that's good experience in there, you know, and I think we've got good experience in there. We we probably do lack that Carol Lightings type midfielder, don't we, who can just get on the ball sometimes and break things. I, I like Scott High a lot, but he's not ready yet, is he really, to play, th- you know, 30 yeah, starts yeah, in the championship. Yeah. He's, he's improving, I think, for my money, and, and I really don't understand the, the scapegoating and the hate he gets. It's really bizarre for me because, you know, I see a 20-year-old lad who's still built like a boy, really, uh, giving as much as he can 
Um, but sometimes, you know, he gets knocked off the ball because he's a small, quite small built player. He's not Jonathan Hogg, you know, he's not a machine. But no, he's not there from, to fly. Move on from that, that's not, no. That's not he, I think he's doing all right. He's not. He's not setting the world alight, but he's not terrible either. Which some people say. I, I find the some of the criticism bizarre, to be honest. But we'll, we'll move on. Um, so maybe we do need that player sometimes to get on the ball and just break things. You know, to break things down and you know that metronomic passer. You know, like an Iting. We're never going to get Aaron Moy back as much as I beg for it to happen. You know, and, you know, I'll, I'll go. To, I've, I've already said I'll go to China and pick him up and bring him back. I don't care. But you know, we we do need that ball playing player sometimes and which really which is really odd because Lewis O'Brien is going to do what Lewis O'Brien does and, and go forward and leave his midfield partner in the lurch and mm. you know so you're going to need someone who can cover blades of grass like Jonathan Hogg but be able to pass a ball at the same time and you know you're looking at a very expensive midfielder who can do Jonathan Hogg's role yeah, and yeah. that you know so Lewis O'Brien as much as we love him and as much as he is Huddersfield Town's best player brings different problems to his midfield partner than maybe what you know, Scott High or Jonathan Hogg do, but, you know, so, the, you know, the, there is that, you know, we don't have much going forward out wide. We've got Aaron Rowe coming back, which I'm really pleased to see. Danny Grant seems to have started doing little bits for the B team, which is really good as well. You know, he hit the post yeah. four times didn't he, the other day, which, which he took really well on Twitter. Um, so there's, there's maybe some options there. Rolando Aaron's, I just thought was a ridiculous signing at the time. And, you know, I, I think it's even worse now, 12 months on. I really was against that signing, not because of, you know, the guy apparently is a great guy and everything. It's just when when you've got a coach with a, you know, a long list of soft tissue injuries, you don't bring in players mm. who are susceptible to soft tissue injuries. And he's barely played, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it wasn't the right move for either. But, but you know, so we, we're coming up. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we are going to go on that bad run where we're going to get walloped every week. I do think we're going to stay off in form, but I do think there will be the odd win here and there to... to to sort of pick it up, but I do see us sliding back to sort of 15th, 16th, and that's where the data yeah. puts us, pause. Yeah. So that's probably where we should be, you know, as a par. And I do think that's where we sort of levitate and levitating, that's not the right word, but we are sort of regressing back yeah. to the table to that. Yeah, well, we're going down, aren't we? So it's <laughs> on the table. <laughs> so, but we, we are kind of regressing back to that. And, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking in many ways that that's okay, but in many ways, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm really struggling with my emotions on you know, where mm. to think we are. And, you know, you know there's from a, what's happening. There's a lot going on, isn't there, as well? You've, you've got to yeah. off the pitch, there's things going on now. Does that affect what's going on here? You, everyone will tell you no, but you you know as well as anybody else does in a workplace environment where someone at the top potentially changing, you just start to be nervous. What does that mean for me, et cetera, et cetera. So that may be, a, you know, a little bone of contention. Nobody really knows what's going on about that. It seems to be all quiet yeah well i've got that on my next item on my agenda so we'll, we'll come to that next year um so we'll you know we'll discuss that in a minute but yeah i'm i'm like you Matt. I'm, i come out of games and i were i'm struggling and i'm like do you know what that one you see, that good. I, I see. and then i take a step back and think about it on a sunday afternoon rather than 10 minutes after a match and i'm like do you know what I, we're probably doing all right we're probably rough a little probably a little bit better at and where we should be, as you just said, you know, the stats put us probably lower in the league. But I don't know. Do, do it's always it's always difficult because when a team like Town gets promoted to the Premier League and has a couple of seasons up there, do fans suddenly think that that's what we should be? You know, I don't think that's it. I, I, no, I don't is, think is that's it. A case it. Of, you know, delusions of grandeur or whatever. Uh, is it no, a case I don't of think so. people just want to literally be entertained? Is it a, a culmination of COVID and I think there's a problem where going on in the world? I don't know. It just I, seems. To I be. don't know what. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. 
just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I think the problem is when I, I turn up to watch... I on what I'd do to make it better. Uh, do you know what well, I mean? When I... So it's hard coming on here and saying this at night, that at night. But if you said to me, what would you do to sort this out? I'd be like, uh, I don't really know. Apart from spending millions of pounds, which we don't have. you know. What, yeah, which you're do? not going to do. I just think for me, I think... I think as big as we've set sort of the defence out, that's fine. Quite happy with that. I just think we just need to be more proactive. We've got to get more people. We've said again many times on here before, and you know I have that the, the three in the four three three up front is not a three. It's Danny Ward on his own and everyone else about forty yards behind him. Get players a little bit closer to Ward. Move the ball quicker through the thirds. Play in behind defences, and I think that would just change a lot of the the mindset because it just looks more, I know it sounds silly, but it just looks more attacking because the ball's going forward rather than sideways and backwards looking for that, the perfect moment. Just, I, you know, I coach junior football and I just, I'd say to my, my players now, you know, under 13, if there's no pass on, rather than just passing for passing sake, just, just knock one over top in between, you know, centre and half. forward. Pop it into that corner. It doesn't have to just be an aimless punt, though. It, it's punted with intent, if that makes sense. So your winger knows it's coming and he's, he's ready for it. And you don't always have to go to feet. Sometimes just play it, play a ball in behind now and again. Turn their back for and give give them something to worry about. Get the crowd on the feet. Um, give them. Problem is to, though, when it's when it's three versus one, it's three versus one. They're just going to turn and knock it. Knock it to the side, and Danny Ward's made a yeah, run. That's what I mean. So get your get your get Sarah Thomas, get yeah. the players on the left, ten yards further up the pitch. Don't don't. So many times Sarah Thomas on Saturday sort of received the ball on the halfway line. We were five four one on Saturday. He likes to he likes to have a run at a defender. He's, he's a tricky player, but let's push him fifteen yards further forward and have him receiving the ball just on edge of eighteen yard box. And then he then he, when he takes him on, he still hasn't got another thirty yards to run. You know, you can put across it and then everything just seems to be a little bit careful at the moment. It's almost like we've gone into that, let's not lose before we try and win mentally. I think that's it. I, I think really wants that. part of the problem as well, when you when you turn up, I remember Stuart Webber, I remember sitting in a meeting once with Stuart Webber and Stuart Webber said, when he came to Huddersfield Town, he didn't understand what Huddersfield Town were. He said, when I when I turn up, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know what Huddersfield Town stands for. And I think there's maybe elements of this creeping in um, for for Stuart Webber, you know, I thought he he understood that really well. You know, in, in his makeup, I think he understands. I think he gets football fans, and I think he gets what football fan specific football fans want. Um, and he understood that you know, Huddersfield fans would get right behind Gagan Preston, you know, right behind because it it fits with um, it fits with what people of the town believe. And if you talk to, you know, you know, you see it on Twitter, don't you? It says 
you'll say you'll see people talking and say what you've been doing mate oh, i've been grafting you know and it's all about yeah, you know yeah. it's all about work isn't it essentially people work working and hard work working hard, the rewards yeah yeah and I, I think part of it is I, I think there's a perception that maybe this club this team isn't working hard but i think it is but i think mm. because they sit in such a defensive shape they're not seen to be running around tackling you know because they're not engaging and I think it's mm. that one-on-one engagement that we don't really do because we're so safe and in that shell that I think winds people up a bit. And I think we yeah. just need to be a bit braver defensively and, like you said, and and not have this flat back five and a flat four and then Danny Ward, you know, over and another postcode. You know, it's just... I think I think you're right with that. It's just... It's just, will we concede too many goals and will we be out of the game? It, it, because we do lack quality in certain areas. And I think it's that mm. risk and reward that Carlos has... You know, at first when he came in, it was all about the risk, wasn't it? Uh, and now it's all about yeah, yeah. safety. And he, he's kind of almost gone too far, hasn't he? And there's a lot of calls for Carlos to be sacked. Saying, like, we, we might defrail that back, but let's lose 4-3 rather than 1-0. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know it's, it's, it's the 4-0s that kill it, you, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is, yeah. But do you know what I mean? At least then you'd have, you come out and you're like, oh, do you know what? At least it were a good game kind of thing. I think the annoying but, thing as know, well is when we go I, one down, we don't come out of our shell. I think oh, that's, that's, the, that's right. I think that's the yeah I think that's the bit which is hard to digest for me. It's just that even even when we go one nil down, we're still in that shape until ten minutes left, and then we might try think, and win some set pieces. I think pieces. it's ridiculous. It's some sort of ridiculous stat that it's it was like the Preston game when Quina scored that penalty in the last minute since we've you know oh since we came from behind. Um, yeah, I think no, we did it. We did it last season. That, we, we beat yeah we beat uh, yeah well, last Middlesbrough last season. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we, we came from behind. Not many, there's not many to choose from, is there? Uh, no, it's a funny the, one though because, yeah. you know, I quite like I quite like the team. There's no one, there's a couple that I'm yeah. not so keen on, but there's no one that I really dislike. I quite like Carlos for all his faults. I think, you know, we had the Q&A with him and he came across as really wanting right, to do he? well. His, his, his life seems to be football. He wants to do a good job. And part of me thinks, as in, as he not, you know, came in with this, I will try this style, I will play that style, and he's just not been given the players to do it. So he's kind of working yeah, with what he's got, trying to maybe play a way that he doesn't really believe in or doesn't want to play. So there's there's, there's many, many factors at play as to why I don't think we're probably getting what we want as town fans at the moment. And it's just, mm. like I've just said, if you said to me, right, Posse, go, you're going to be manager next week, I'd be thinking... Christ, what, what am I supposed to do? Get it for, you'd be 4-4-2, get it forward into channels, hit some diagonals. Boothie, get your boots. That's what you'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's one of them because I think, you know, could we do this, could we do that? And I think a couple of injuries have obviously scuppered maybe the, there's potential changes, but... Well, Pippa's back in full training now, so that'll be interesting going forward. Yeah, I, w- I would maybe thinking, you know, if Pippa's back, could you move to a 3-5-2 and use, you know, use Pippa and Toffler's wing back? Jordan Rhodes as well as your... Yeah. Get Rhodes on up to support to support Ward, and I think instantly that gives you a little bit more attacking prowess because Toffolo and Pippa would like to get forward. You've then got an extra striker on. Obviously, then there's the discussion of who do you leave out. You know, you can't play two wingers obviously if you're playing with Pippa and Toffolo. So the midfield three then becomes a bit of a you know a bit of a, a cause for discussion. But for me, then you play two two defender two defensive minded midfielders and one in front to push forward. So then you could even look at Thomas in that role. You could look at Holmes, you can look at Sanane. There's a, there's a, you know, when fit obviously. Sanane is the more natural um, one, isn't it? So all of a sudden, there that for me instantly becomes more attacking because you've got, a, you've got maybe five players there that, that want to get forward. Whereas at the minute we only really, for me, have well, Ward is a striker, so you know is there by default. 
Thomas on the right wing. Holmes, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Dwayne, not personal, but he's, he's just not for me. Sanane is all right, but again, he doesn't ever seem to want to pick up ball and drive forward with it. I know Holmes does that, but he just seems so lightweight at the moment. It seems to just get knocked off the ball a little bit too easy. So, Congratulations, no Dwayne, really by the way, types. as well. <laughs> so yeah, Congratulations to Dwayne, by the way, on his uh, on the birth of his his first child, Tiago Tiago Holmes. That's an interesting one, isn't it? It's called. Yeah, it's a footballer name if ever I've heard one. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe in twenty years he'll be, uh, he'll be rattling the <laughs> window at John Smith. But yeah, I just think a little a little shift in formation might just instantly make us a little bit more attacking. So you know, when when Pippa does come back, that that for me would be the way to go. Shift to a shift to a three five two. Play two holding midfielders to sort of. Who's your holding midfielders though? And without Hoggy, that's the the tricky thing because Lewis yeah, O'Brien naturally will break, problem, won't he? I mean, you know, Vallejo. I suppose if when he's back, he could sit in and do about one. eight weeks away. He's he's yeah. two months away. He's, he's you probably just have to go with O'Brien and, and Scott I and just just teach him how to play that role. There's been a few people, a few people. Yes, there's been a few people suggesting Levi Colwell could step into midfield and because he's good on the ball. But, you know, I would probably only do that if in a back four rather than have him in, you know, midfield. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I do agree. I think 3-5-2 and Jordan, because you've got Mipo Badeko as well, who is probably very Rhodes-like in that he needs a partner to do a lot of the donkey work. And Fraser Campbell and is, is I'm not calling Fraser Campbell a donkey by any stretch, you know, but he does <laughs> he does that no, sort he of, le- yeah, or he, yeah. he was doing that legwork very well last season. This year he seems to, fitness-wise, not be quite as... Um, you know, maybe it's the lack of games, but he's you know he's not quite mm-hmm. the same at the same level. But you know, Danny Ward, I think for a lot of for a lot of his faults, he's working really hard at the minute. He can provide a decent foil. He can drop off like against Barnsley, can drop in, can't he? And he's not yeah, a natural, yeah. not really a natural ten or anything. But you know, you know, he, he can do it. It's we don't have the ideal players for really any system. I think that's part of the problem. No, the minute, no, I think you, that's you the problem. Isn't it? You can pick holes in any system that we go with, and but I do, I do think three five two might might be worth a go, especially with Rhodes and Obadeco, you know, struggling for goals. You've got two strikers there who are goal scorers. They just, you know, they just need that partner up front to do a lot of the legwork mm. for them. And, you know, if I think Pippa opens that door really, doesn't he, to to go to a more balanced 3-5-2. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can argue that, that Thomas can play that role, but he's, he's just not going to do the defensive side of it. And I think, I know you said Tr- it earlier, The lad Matt, tries think... his heart out, but it's not natural to him, is it? That's the... No, and I think that's why we do get, as you alluded to earlier, I think we talked about the last one that we did, it kind of shifts that defence from Matty Pearson has to almost play as a right-back. It's a wrap-around, yeah. As a left-back. And it, it changes from a, you know, the, the, the way that it's set up it just doesn't look quite Slant. right. You know, Mark, gonna, Mark Robinson. It out, more, yeah. more sort of like that than like that, isn't it? You remember, you like, remember years ago, Mark Robbins used to have to do the same thing because he had Adam Hamill yeah. playing right wing back, didn't he? And Tommy Smith used to, used to pretty much stand as a defensive right back and then cover. It was yeah, it was really yeah. bizarre, but it's, it's very similar sort of shades of, of what yeah, we used so to do. I but... mean, the three five two would be my first go-to once Pippa's back and, and, and just... You know, he likes it needs it needs a change, forward. doesn't it? Forward. Yeah, just to freshen yeah. it up and just to try something new. And you never know, Carlos might already have that in his little notebook, and that's what we might do. And I'm sure he does. He's just sure he does. just just trying to be like back through this little period where we've got two or three injuries, but it's certainly not massively entertaining to watch, is it? Let's be honest. A lot of people are saying Carlos out. Are you are you there? No, I, I, do, I don't think you can. Tenth in the league. I don't, I don't think see you the can, point. I don't, no. I, don't, I don't know what we'll gain by doing that. Who would you even bring in? If you ask me now, who would you bring Alex in? Alex Neal would be, probably be Alex Neal, wouldn't it? Yeah, potentially. 
But um, is that, that football is not going to be any better, him? is it? How long do you give him? You can't just sack a manager every 18 months. That's why a lot of t- a lot of clubs do, don't they? Just, just Yeah, it's them. ridiculous. It's they just need a recycle of ideas, don't they? And it just keeps going through the same. It works for Watford, you know, but, you know, they, they might end up going down. Because when, you re- when you're constantly doing that, if, if a new manager comes in and wants to play a certain system and we don't have the players, mm. you know, then you buy a load of players to fit that system. Then it doesn't quite work out immediately. You get rid of him, then another manager comes in with a totally different idea. You just you just regurged it in player after player after player and system after system. One of the big problems that we've had at town in my lifetime really is you've never really had a set style of play for a massive period. You know, you, that's how it should be. You know, a club should have a way to play. Managers should almost fit into that ethos. You shouldn't be changing the way that you play all the time. Well, yeah, I thought that's what we were going to get with Carlos. I thought we were going to now get a, a decent brand, a decent way of playing. All this new modern mumbo jumbo that they, they spout out to you about, you know, ethos and it's in the DNA and all that crap. Box 14. I thought that's. Yeah, I thought that's what we were heading for. And it's just not materialised for various reasons, I suppose. Yeah, but, you know, the people that would defend Carlos would say, he doesn't have the players to do it. I, w- I would say Carlos doesn't have the players to do it. You know, I would, you look, I would as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, I think it was a it was a nice idea, but if you're giving him kids and un- untested kids from, and and let's be honest, our academy, um, the games that our academy play are so far removed from the championship. It's, mm. you know, it's such a gap to bridge. And the loans, you know, the, lo- the loaning, the, I think one thing that Town do really well is they do loan out these young players. Kieran Phillips is out at, at yeah, Walsall yeah. at the minute. He's not... I don't think Kieran Phillips is quite lighting it up at Walsall, but he's playing le- wide left, wide right, you know, and I think he's doing okay. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how he does when he comes back. But, you know, Kean Harrett's the one that we look at, isn't it? And, you know, he's scoring yeah. so many goals there, but, you know, it's such a gap. You know, we, we've seen him go to Geisley and struggle, so it's such yeah. a gap from the B team upwards. But it I've, I've got hopes for Kean Harrett. You know, it almost makes me think that the club are fully aware that we do have a decent academy system and, you know, eventually they'll come through and there will be first team players and I can understand why they brought Carlos in and maybe in hindsight what they probably should have done is brought him in as the under 23 manager with a view that in he could he was never going to take that though was he no he's not but do you know what I mean that yeah. would if you if you take a step back and say that on paper that would be the ideal just bringing somebody after Carl is just to be the, the first team manager just to tick things over for two or three years and then that all comes through as a one, but like the whole Ralph Rannick thing at Man United, that kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit, like just like a an oldie manager, just until they can, you know, get these lads on another couple of years. But I don't know. It's we could just you could sit here and say twenty. I think I think we've bored people enough, haven't we? Talk of three five twos and and what have you. The, the I, last think, thing... I think it's one of those. Mate. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation, but it's. There's no, there's no yeah, there's yeah, there, there isn't. No. You're right, there isn't. It's it, difficult. Everyone will have a different way that they could solve this problem, and none would be wrong. Yeah, but no, it's, it's it's so weird at the minute be because because right usually usually I sit quite firmly in one camp, you know, with with opinions, but mm. I, I see people sort of frothing at the mouth, going, "Carlos has got to go, get rid of him," and I sit there and go, "Yeah, I could see why people do that," and then I see the people yeah. start <laughs> defending him, going, and I'm like, "Yeah, I can see that. I've got yeah, no." Yeah. Unusually for me, I've got real no, I've got no real opinion on Carlos Corbran at the mm-hmm. minute. It's just, I think at the end of last season, I've said it on the podcast. At the end of last season, I would not have been sorry to see him go because I thought that you know the, a lot of the decisions in the second half of last season were so poor. Um, 
but when he got when it when he turned it round, I was really happy because you don't want to just keep churning through managers. So when he turned it round at the no, start, no. I was really happy to see no. that. And I just don't think you can sack a manager in tenth when your expectation of the most of the fan base was to finish like eighteenth, nineteenth. It just doesn't. I agree with you. Man. You know who's going to who's going to touch the football club as a manager if you're doing that? You know, it's it, you've got yeah, to be very you're careful. Yeah, you still get sacked. It's, yeah, but I, I do I'm, get I'm, why I'm, people yeah, are bored. That's the thing. I get yeah, why people yeah. want it and I get why people are bored. So I'm not yeah. saying anybody's wrong, really. It's just, it's the way you feel and people have got well within their rights just to not want to watch mm-hmm. it because it is, it is boring. But yeah. I just, I just hope, for, my hope is that January's coming and Dean Hoyle, eh, I think, has got the reins at the minute. Nobody's said anything. Nobody's clear. People have said mm-hmm. it's business as usual. Um, but rumors do persist, and we're only commenting on rumors. Neither me, neither me or you know what's happening because you know no. nothing's coming out of the football club. But there are rumors of Dean is kind of in charge at the minute, and the rumors that he may look to spend something in January just to, just to sort of, I don't know whether it reannounces him back, you know, or, or whatnot. Um, but you know, if if you give Carlos an X factor player in. January, a player who can sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck by himself and, and really do something and perform some magic, then we may see a completely different I think, I think Carlos Corbran. Yeah, I, I agree, Matt. I think good, they've got to be that. good players. You know, they've got to be good players. They can't, you know, the problem is these players will cost 10 million quid, you know, that, that will transform. Yeah. The, because we, you're looking at Daryl DK, who's gone back mm. to America. He's still available over there from what I know. And Barnsley couldn't afford him because he won a 40 grand a week. You know, if if Huddersfield are on the periphery of the playoffs, somebody like that, I know we might not pay that in terms of wages, but yeah. bringing him in short term till the end of the season transforms a team like ours. I know it's very unlikely. Conor Hurahan was one that got linked with us at the end of the last window. He went to Sheffield United, but players like mm-hmm. that uh, do transform a team. And it'd be interesting. I, I, I think it would be fair, only fair for Carlos to get one or two X-Factor players for this level. Uh, or, or decent players. I'm not talking about signing Carl and Grant back for 20 million or whatnot, but I'm talking about yeah, a loan, maybe, you know, an Emil Smith row type loan, you know, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And, and then let's see what Carlos is about. And then if he, if he makes a mess of it from there, fair enough. If, but you know, but then if he continues and we improve, then, you know, you don't need to churn mm-hmm. another manager. Out and that's anyway. So we, we mentioned Dean Hoyle there. There's been rumors circulating, you know, you read the forums, you read Twitter, there's mentions of Asian and American interest, you know, Asia and America are huge continents in themselves. So, you know, you can't tell, you know, where, exactly who or where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but one one name that came up, pause, was Marcus Evans. Um, he, you, <laughs> you look at his record at Ipswich, and I think when you look at it from far away, you go, oh, he spent 100 million quid, and then he wrote it off. What a guy. But when you look a little bit deeper, he was lending money to the club in a similar way to Dean, but also charging interest of around 5.8%. I think I might be wrong in that. So there is that side of things, and this is let's let's not let's not forget this is the club that Marcus Evans was apparently loves Ipswich Town, and to me he looked like he got bored there very quickly after a couple of years, and he pulled the drawbridge back. You know he didn't he didn't really talk to the fans, and Huddersfield fans need their owner to speak to them and to deal with them like Dean. They 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 need it because we never have a CEO who does it. I'm not, I'm not slating Mike Devlin by, by, by any way, an MD. We'd, we'd never really have that, you know, perhaps Sean Jarvis. We had Sean Jarvis who did it. We Dean, you know, you need that front person, don't you, to really sort of step mm-hmm. forward and keep the fans on side. Um, Marcus Evans is not that. Uh, he you know, And he's overseen Ipswich go from being a Premier League yo-yo club to a mid-table League One club. 
I don't want the guy. I'll be honest. It, you know, even if he has written mm. off this money, he just seems such an uninspiring owner. But I will say that my hunch on him was that it may have been a story that's put out there to make people look the other way. Potentially, that that's because yeah. I don't. I really yeah. don't understand why he would be interested in Huddersfield Town when he had his own club and he couldn't be asked running them properly. Yeah, so I, would, it, I would it think just don't make sense. A fan of another club buys another football club. I would never buy. No, certainly not in the league. You know, I might buy someone a bit lower down if I were in a position to do it. But I certainly wouldn't be going to buy like well, Ipswich, for example, because why? It's not good. It's not you're not going to make money at a football club at this sort of level. So it's not a heart overhead situation, is it? So you know, very very strange. But as you say, could it just be a bit of a smokescreen to you know put people off the scent of? We're talking about that? somebody taking over, yeah. We don't even know who will. Big Phil might be back, you know. Who knows? We don't really know what's going yeah. on. And, and, and I think until we, I think until we know, are we going to guess? You know, the, the quote from Dean was quite interesting because he said something like, Give me a problem, give me a problem rather than us, or give you know, give the club a problem, yeah. which is you know what Dean were very, very good on the old PR from one year. And just for reference, when that I, was from Mark that Devlin's that Mark Devlin's ATT comments, was it? Was yeah, but I think. Yeah, it, it, it that was the most recent one, but it did say previous to that that in January, if we were top six, yeah. which we're not going to be, specifically said that Dean would invest. So, yep. you know, so there are little breadcrumbs there which indicate that Dean is the one hold. This is why we think Dean is the one holding the reins, isn't it? And you know, I yeah. feel for well, Phil, I, I feel really sorry for Phil. I, I do, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel for the guy. I think Phil had a lot of good intentions for the football club, I think he had some good ideas, and it's just. I do feel for the guy, and you know, I, I, I would do nothing but wish Phil Hodgkinson all the best, whether he comes, whether he's back in charge or whether he moves on. I don't know, but I do wish Phil all the best. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you, you could argue that he's left the club in a better state in which he took it over. So as an owner, that's that's kind of all you can all you can ask really. Um, but yeah, but it will be interesting if Dean does regain full control. What sort of um, reception he'll get because. You know, he's not obviously he, he took us to the Premier League, he did all that side of it and then Dean's got a silver history. tongue, doesn't he? He's got a silver tongue. He can win he can win people back around very quickly. quickly. But yeah. you know, when you look back a lot of the problems that we've faced over the last two to three years are because Dean decided to take his money back. Which he had every right to, you know. I would never ever say to him that he shouldn't have taken that money back. Uh, I don't think he ever pulled the wool over anyone's eyes and said, I'll never take it back. I just think it, we kind of, as fans, presumed that it wouldn't. Um, Maybe. It got poorly, that, you know, people can... People changed, change don't they? When that happens, and, you know, I think a lot of the people that... that He's talked about writing a lot of that off as well, hasn't he? He talked about writing... Yeah, it's been quite, you know, it's been so, quite easy with it. He's not... Yeah, he's not he said, extended it. He's not, he's not charged he's interest. Really agreed you know. I want it. He's changed yeah. things. There's a lot of good things that he's done. What what Someone he's done is no. Uh, th- this is why Dino's rich and I'm not. But I would not have done what Dean. I, I, to, you know, for me, I, if I put fifty million in a foot, I would only put money into the football club I was willing to write off or convert to yeah, different shares, yeah. etc. Yeah. But, but you know, it, people, you know, it's up to other people what they do. You know, he could easily have put a, an interest on in what he's done and, and earn money out of it. And it, again, ethically, it's fine. You know what I mean? And he's not. So, you know. You know, I think the other interesting thing to watch is the American market as well. So I read something on The Athletic 
which I think was about the old chesties, about, you know, the uh, San Francisco 49ers yeah, yeah, yeah. and how they yeah. might be maneuvering themselves for a full buyout there. But it was more the general state of it rather than that which, which mm. tweaked my interest. And that was that there's a lot of money and there's a lot of money needing to go somewhere in, you know, in markets like America and China. Well, maybe not China, but there's a lot of money that needs to go somewhere and there are rising inflation rates. So people are looking to dump it within, you know, football clubs and certain things. But I'm always very uneasy with Americans because they do tend to they do America. tend to give ten million and then charge you a high interest rate ten percent yeah. a year you know on it and I just don't think Huddersfield Town is a football club that could operate that way because commercially with the area that we're in you know we're not the richest area I just don't think commercially Huddersfield Town is a viable enough for something like that so it needs a a benefactor like Dean. And if it doesn't have a benefactor and you want to cut your cloth and you want to break even, Huddersfield Town goes back to League One. It's just the way it is, you know, and, yeah. and it's just it's just what the football club is. I, I don't on any level think Huddersfield Town is not a top two tier football club. I, I believe Huddersfield Town, I believe in Huddersfield Town. I will never say Huddersfield Town are a small club because to me they're not. They're, they're a middling club, mm. you know, if, if you look at, Top thirty, isn't it? I, I, that, yeah, that top the, thirty division is probably about. If right. if we're a boxer, we'd be a super middleweight. You know, we're not a featherweight. Mm. You know, like other clubs down the road. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's just for me, it's just commercially Huddersfield Town just doesn't do maybe what uh, Brentford does because they they've got the mm. advantage of being in London. So that's that's what Huddersfield Town are up against, and it's it's an economic one rather than you know something that's based on the size of a football club, but. It's going to be interesting, anyway, mate. Watching how this develops, um, we all want. It will, that, that that also what's going on there feeds into the old Carlos debate, doesn't it? Because mm. if someone is waiting in the wings to take over, why you know do they want Carlos? Do they not? Is he, you know you can't you can't sort of sack him and then have a somebody come in who might want him. So there's all sorts of you can't keep him and then you know if I were in control of the club, I'd just be leaving him where he is and then letting the new guy decide what's going to happen because and there are different ways that the, way to do it. Isn't it? You know? There may be an investor. It may be an investor. It may be a complete takeover. It may be an investor. It, it, we don't know what's happening. It, mm-hmm. You know, Phil might end up being back in control and paying Dean off, you know, in six months time. We don't know what's going on. And yeah. it's, you know, and this is because the club, the club have said it's business as normal and they're obviously trying not to draw attention to it. But, Things are happening behind the scenes which are different, and that's why people like me and you will talk about it and speculate. And we, like I say, we don't know anything. We don't know what's happening. You know, when that Russian oligarch worth fifteen billion quid walks in with Daniel Farker next to him and gives him hundred million <laughs> to spend in January, you know, that's another thing. But that is this is Huddersfield yeah, Town. That's never like going to happen. <laughs> if anyone sees me popping up in directors' box now and again, you know, <laughs> no, you are the face of the club. We forget that, don't we? But. Yeah, but, I, mean, I can't even. I didn't even get my bloody walls painted since I did my kitchen uh, two months ago. So I, I certainly won't be buying Huddersfield Town. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get some of that from the club shop with uh, with you and Ollie on there with the tops off, swinging it round from the cowshed line. Yeah, yeah. We'll just we'll take off whatever they're throwing away, <laughs> mate. Right, mate. That's uh, that's. But no, that's, it is interesting. I think it is interesting, and it does feed into the general feeling about town that nobody really knows what direction we're going in. It on yeah. the pitch, off the pitch, and. That in itself can just lead to people not being bothered to go down. I think that's it. I think that's. I, th- I just don't think people know what to expect from Huddersfield Town at the minute, yeah. and I think it makes people uneasy. We, I think the only thing people expect are a really crap second half to the season, but <laughs> I, I think that's it. And I think that's why people are maybe reacting what they are. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I just no, I don't I'm think it'll be as good as the first. That's all. No, I don't think we'll get drug, dragged right into a relegation battle, but I do think we'll probably end up finishing between ten and. 
15th, I'll say now. Uh, we'll, and at the start we'll, of the season, we'll, you'd have been happy with that. So I'd be over the moon with finishing 10th, mate. I would have been more than happy with that. Um, I think we'll probably go. We'll probably go on one of those runs where you lose three, then you win a couple and draw one, and you know what I mean. You won't go ten without a win or ten without a defeat. You, you'll you'll be up and down. And I think what's the challenge as well for you guys behind the goal at the Cowshed Loyal is if we do lose three in a row, it's to really sort of try and. I know you see your guys as you know people who try and lift the team, you know, when they need it. And that's going to be a huge challenge, isn't it? When, when you've got that sort of feeling around the place and it's easy for it to affect yeah, you as well. Yeah, I mean, we were quite, we, we were quite ad- admittable. You know, we, we were sat during the match saying, you know, you know, we need to do more and stuff like that. But there's certain people out there that just like to take shots at us for, for absolutely anything. They forget that against, you know, West Brom, it were a really good atmosphere. They forget that when we were yeah, playing good. Uh, we weren't yeah, that was, playing that was well. Good. Middlesbrough, we weren't playing well and it was a good atmosphere still. And, you know, it's quite easy to have a pop shot, but you know, without going into it too much, it's all right. Mate, we, we have a podcast, people take pots at us. Anybody who puts the yeah, head above the parapet gets, gets, gets you, yeah, you, get, um, you get shot. And... Shots, you know, well, I always think, well, what are these what are these people doing to help? You know, if you want to have a go, have a go, but have a go while trying to help. I, I do get it, but I think, I think you know, it's one of those things, isn't it, whereby. If you know, if you want an atmosphere, open your mouth. It's as simple. It's exactly. not, but it's not yeah. quite as simple as that because if I open my mouth where I sit in the Riverside Upper, yeah, I'm going to get some right looks. Yeah, you know I mean, people are like, "Shut up, shut up." What you on about? You know, I, mean, I, I like sitting up there. It's it's a really good view and, yeah. you know, and what have you. It's, there, it? Yeah, it's a, it's a belting belting place to sit and watch football. Yeah. But one of the good things about what I do is. Uh, you miss half that match anyway because you're not even watching. So. I know, Poznan. <laughs> that, is the, that is the plus at the moment, you know. You, you're trying to get someone to sing well. Uh, you know, we've had a, yet another misplaced pass. Uh, so that, at least you don't have to watch it too much. Yeah. But, uh, it, it is one of them. And I think I think people are just airing the displeasure over a longer period, as we said, right at the very start. It weren't the one-all against Coventry that caused people to boo. It was the, probably the one winning seven. It's a culmination of a lot, isn't it? Cold, bored, should have gone Christmas shopping, you know. Probably got a bollocking off at That could have been a song, that should have gone Christmas shopping. I've heard that song before yeah, a few times. Yeah, so. yeah. I tell you what, the, one of my favourite songs, though, is, is, and it makes me, it doesn't make me laugh when I hear it, but I probably said this a few weeks ago. One of my favourite songs when I'm watching it on TV is Nottingham Forest when they sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. You know, when, when Forest score, they yeah, turn yeah, around yeah. to the opposition fans yeah. and sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. And I just think that's. A uh, really sort of brilliant shit house song to sing to people. Yeah, I think that's yeah. just just perfect, you know, perfect, and it probably sums up the way that a lot of us are feeling out there at the minute. So you know, yeah, I think I think the forest in fans. is, is um, yeah, we play them in a couple of weeks, don't we? So let's hope we're not hearing it. But I think life in general at the moment is uncertain, stressful. People are worried, and I think you go to football for a little bit of relief to get away from all that, and actually then when you go watch yeah. town as it stands at the moment... It adds to it. Not, <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not giving you that relief, is it? And, you know, that's why people get annoyed, but, yeah. you know, I think I think we should stick with it. I think the club are trying to do the best they can. There's so many areas of the club that have improved recently compared to, yeah. you know, a very recent times, so... There's yeah, some good people working behind fans. the scenes out there in this field. Yeah, we all want the best, don't we? We can come on here and say X, Y, and Z, but end of the day, our vision and our goal is exactly the same as everybody else at Huddersfield Town. And just want to enjoy watching football, don't we? That's want, it. You know, the club to progress and go in the right direction. And, you know, as fans, I think we we have a responsibility to assist and 
you know, do what we can to make that dream, you know, make the dream a reality. I nearly said then, how can is that? But do you know what I mean? To to push the club along and without constructive criticism, people will always stand still. And I think if you do the criticism in the in the right way, without being abusive and without getting personal, there's nothing wrong with airing displeasure. And you know, if the club can can listen to it and act upon it or ignore it, that's that's then up to them. So let's see where we are in May and. And go from there. Tell you what, mate, it's a good job we don't have a green screen on this on this new software because you've got like a ginger t shirt on, you've got a ginger jumper, you've got <laughs> no, ginger mate, hair, you've got ginger that. walls according to this thing. It's just all merging into a, one thing. It's just a floating head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Right, mate, that's great. Uh thanks for thanks everybody for listening. Uh we'll try to be a bit more consistent. We've been wiped out a little bit by uh, by illness on on this and the warm up. Brady's been sick as well, so um you know, we'll try and get things back. Cause we'll be back from Spain as well soon, won't you? So we'll try and get a full house back in order and we'll try and get this software working and get us live. So thanks everybody for remaining patient with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Poz. Uh, congratulations, Simon Copeland again and uh, all the best, Andy Marsden. And uh, we'll catch you next week. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Huddersfield The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? 
got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 